Amen. Well, he caught me off guard there, but um, I am so honored to be sharing with you guys this morning. It's definitely a stretch for me, especially when he just says, speak on love. I'm like, you can go so many places with that one. So I really started praying and asking God, you know, what do you want me to speak about on love? And, um, oh, before I share that, I want to say that I'm wearing a special bracelet today. And I haven't worn it in a long time, but as I was getting ready and putting on my love shirt, love God, love people, I saw this bracelet, and it was a gift from my dad from Valentine's Day when I was a teenager. And it's special to me because my dad was always my Valentine before um, I got married. He always wanted me to feel cherished and special on Valentine's Day, so he always got me something um, special. So this is a reminder of my dad, especially because this year we almost lost my dad. And so it's special, and he's here with me. Um, But our main point today is the more fully we know God's love, the more his love can flow through us to others. And that's pretty basic. The more we know him, the more he can flow through us. But I really want to go deep into that and to learn about how much we need God's love in us before we can even really love. And uh, to start off, I want to share our love story because it is Valentine's Day and I love love stories. I love old movies like Pride and Prejudice, and it's my favorite book also. But it's just good old clean love stories, you know? It's hard to find a good love story if you turn on the TV and try to find a movie that doesn't have sex in it. It's like, that's not what we want to watch. At least I don't. And so I want to share our story. It started back when I was only 13 years old, and I didn't even know Aaron. I didn't know where he was in his life, but... I was at a summer camp, and um, I had a pastor's wife give a prophetic word to me, and she told me, you're going to marry a pastor, and he's going to be from Phoenix, Arizona. It was very specific, and um, I just took that word, and I held on to it, and I made a commitment to God that I was not going to date. I was not going to date until he brought the man for me that I knew that I was going to marry. And as a teenager, that was definitely hard. You know, you watch all your friends date, and you watch all of that go on, and I questioned it many times, but I stuck to it, and um, I had that conviction, and I'm stubborn, so I stuck to it. And then my end of my senior year, I was a few weeks before I graduated high school, I had a dream. And in the dream, I was um, sitting on a football field. You know the bench where the players kind of sit? It was an empty field, and I was sitting there, and my senior pastor walked up to me, And he said, you three work really well together. And I turned and looked, and it was my youth pastor on one side, which made sense because I worked with the youth and everything. And I turned to the other side, and there was this guy I had never seen before. But I remember these bright blue eyes just staring at me. And I woke up, and I'm like, what does that mean, Lord? And I didn't understand it. Well, a week later, it was actually Mother's Day weekend, Uh, We were doing an outreach at one of our skate parks for the teenagers, and we brought in a group from Master's Commission from Phoenix, Arizona. And that was the first time I had ever met Aaron. And I remember seeing him and these bright blue eyes, and I'm like, that's the guy. That's the guy from my dream. And at that point, I didn't know what it means. It wasn't like, you know, a love feeling. I just knew that God was speaking to me about this man. And then he went home, and I, you know, continued to graduate, and then I started making plans to go to college. I was going to Grand Canyon University in Phoenix, Arizona, because, you know, I had to make a plan, and I was going to go find a guy that was going to be a pastor and (laughs) do it myself, right? And so I had that plan. Well, about a month before I was supposed to leave, um, God told me, don't go. 
And I was like, oh, I want to go. I have these scholarships. I have these plans. I need to marry a guy in Phoenix. Lord, what is going on? But I trusted him, and I told my parents, and thankfully I have very godly parents, and they um, trusted my, my judgment and what I heard from God, and they were happy that their little girl was staying home. So, um, so I stayed home, and at the same time, God was working uh, through Aaron, and our, my youth pastor had become the associate pastor of our church, and they hired Aaron to be the new youth pastor. So he moved to my little town in Lake Havasu City, Arizona, and when I had heard that he was moving, something in my spirit just said, you're going to marry him. And it was just kind of like, okay, Lord. And now I didn't go tell everyone. I especially didn't tell Aaron the moment he moved to town, hey, guess what? I'm marrying you. Because, you know, he probably would have labeled me the crazy girl and stayed far away from me. And, um, but I held on to that word, and it, was, it wasn't the right time, definitely. I, I had to go through some of my own struggles and stuff for about a year and a half of just becoming friends, and uh, we worked together in ministry, and it was, it was, you know, a great time for us to grow close in that kind of way. But then it happened one night. It was an outreach on a Friday night at, a, at the bowling alley or the parking lot next door to our bowling alley was the Salvation Army. And we would put on big outreaches every Friday night for the teenagers because that was like the hangout place on a Friday night when you're in a small town. Everyone went there. And so we had free food because that brings teenagers over and inflatables and games. And we'd always end the night with the salvation message and the gospel. And we would use human videos or skits that are like to music to explain it to the teenagers. And we were doing this one where it was like a, we had to form a bridge to Jesus, and I had to like climb the bridge to Jesus and hug him. Well, he was playing Jesus, and I was playing, you know, the girl trying to get to Jesus, and I had to hug him at the end. Well, I had practiced it many times. I was fine with it, no feelings there. But for some reason, this time when I hugged him, it was like the 4th of July. I mean, fireworks were going off, not really, but in my spirit, and I was just like, something switched, something changed. And I'm like, I sure hope he feels this. And, you know, you don't want to ask. You're just like, you're in front of all these people. And, but I was like, something's different. And, you know, have those butterflies in your stomachs and you your stomach. And, well, the next day was a birthday party for one of my friends that I work, my coworkers. And um, she wanted me to invite Aaron because we needed more young people there because it was just, there's not a lot, a lot of young people in the town I grew up, because when you turned 18, you were out of there. And so we wanted to have more people our age. So I had already, already invited him there. And so we went to the, the party, and it was down at a restaurant by the river. And they, it was like a sign seating, and they sat us together. Now, my coworker is kind of sneaky like that. And so she sat us together with my boss and her husband. And so it was totally like a double date. It really was. But we had a great time, and at the end, he paid for my meal. And so I'm like, oh my goodness, he paid for my meal. That means he really does have feelings. And, you know, I was all excited. Um, and the funny thing is my parents were out of town. They were on a cruise. And I, my brothers had already graduated and moved on. So I was home alone. So I had, like, no one to go home and, like, woohoo, excitement. Um, but it was just, a, like, that connection started. And so that week he was speaking that next Sunday night for the first time on a Sunday night as the youth pastor. And so I wanted to encourage him, so I sent him flowers because I love to give gifts, and I thought everyone loves flowers, even guys. So I sent him some flowers, and I just said, good luck. 
on, you know, your message. And he called me to thank me for him. And when he called me, I said, so since you paid for dinner last week, how about I take you out to dinner this week and I'll pay. And he, of course, is a single bachelor guy. So he's like, sure, okay. And um, so we went out to a fancy Italian restaurant. It was romantic and everything you can dream of of a first date. And um, we sat down, ordered our food, and I looked at him and I said, Aaron, I cannot date you unless you marry me. (laughs) And he didn't even skip a beat. He just said, okay. (laughs) I mean, that's romantic, right? But he had knew my story. He knew that my convictions of not dating and that I wasn't going to waste my time with him unless he was going to marry me. And so we kind of like drew the line right then. And um, from there on, it really did move very quickly. We were, that was in October. We were married or engaged in January and married in April. So um, I have a few pictures because I wanted to show you and give you guys a laugh at what we used to look like. I had short, spiky hair for a while, all different colors. I worked at a salon, so she cut my hair. I had long hair when I started, and by the time we got married, my hair was short. So um, the pictures? Oh, yeah. That's the night we got engaged. That was Aaron's birthday. And there's our wedding day, the London Bridge. I had to be blonde for my wedding. <laughs> and that was our honeymoon. We went on a cruise. So, so that's our love story. It's been, we're almost at 18 years. And I couldn't imagine a better 18 years, right? Now, if you ask Aaron our love story, it might sound a little different just because he only remembers part of it. But he also, he came from a different background. He came from a different, you know, past and even when he first moved there and I knew I was going to marry him I had to watch him date other girls that was hard I wanted to slap him and be like hello I'm the one so and that meal that he bought me for the you know that time we went out and we weren't dating and he bought me a meal that never cleared his credit card he never had to pay it so I always say he owes me a meal (laughs) so but I just want to share that to show God's goodness and God's character and love through us and that he does love love. He loves love. He wants you to have those feelings. He wants you to experience that in your life. Um, I feel like it's a gift from God. It's, it's beautiful, but it also can be very painful. And that's kind of what I want to discuss today is that there's worldly love and there's godly love. And a lot of times we, they kind of mingle together and we get so focused on the hurtful side, the worldly love that we don't realize that God has so much more for us in the area of love. Um, So I want to share the definition of love. I just looked up dictionary.com, and it says, a profoundly tender, passionate affection for one another, a feeling of warm personal attachment or deep affection as the parent, child, or of a friend, and then also sexual passion or desire. So that's just the basic definition. And I thought that's a very worldly definition of love. And so the four points I have about worldly love, they're going to be more of the negative worldly love, not the positive. But number one is love is a feeling. When you don't feel it anymore, you can walk away. You see, when we, it's a feeling and it's based on, um, it comes on suddenly, you know, but it also can leave suddenly. And so you kind of can go back and forth and you may be in love this day, but you're not in love this day. And that kind of sets it up to being where it's not, you know, if you don't feel it, the world says, then just leave. If you're married, 
Oh, well, just leave them. And that can just kind of shift it where you're not in that, you're not going into the relationship with the right kind of mindset and the attitude. You're going into it as just, how is this making me feel? And that also goes into the next point, that worldly love can be selfish and controlling. If it's a feeling and it's about how it makes me feel, not about even, sometimes it's about how the other person feels, but a lot of times we get so focused on me, me, me. You better be making my life better, and if you're not, then I'm, I'm out of here. And that can really turn into manipulation and selfishness, and you, know, you have to um, love me a certain way, and if you really loved me, you would do this. If you really loved me, and it just, it just kind of takes love and makes it so more unhealthy, and sometimes people marry or get into a relationship for position or money. Um, you see that all the time in Hollywood, right? They just marry because they marry a rich guy because that's what they want, so they can get whatever they want. And then they just leave when they're done with it. Number three is love can be unpredictable, frustrating, and painful. That's just kind of life. I mean, we live in a sinful world, but I think we all have had people in our life that have hurt us that are supposed to love us. And it may be something small, it may be something big. Um, people are people, and we, we can't change the world we live in in that kind of aspect um, unless we have God's love, right? It causes an unforgiveness, resentment, resentment, and bitterness. That's the pain of love. And we all hear songs about it, all those country songs, right? Half of them, well, probably more than half, are about losing your love and what that love, the person that was supposed to love you, what they did. And I grew up with country music. I grew up in Arizona, and that's all my dad listened to. So, um, but that's just what worldly love is. It's, that happens. Um, number four, you have to prove that they are worthy of love. They're never good enough. It's kind of like walking on a tightrope. If you fall off, then you're, you, know, you, didn't, you didn't prove your, you know, your love. Um, how do I explain that better? Um, sometimes when you're in a relationship and um, you have to look a certain way, you have to act a certain way, because if you just make one little mistake, what happens? They, they're not going to love you anymore, especially when there's already issues and problems. You don't want them to leave, and so you'll do anything, anything to keep them. And that's not the kind of love that God wants. Falling in love sounds romantic and beautiful, and it's what we all want, and it's what every love story is about. Uh, but God doesn't want us just to fall in love. He definitely wants us to. But he also wants us to learn to love. And that's the key is when you're in a relationship, you may get past that feeling of love. And then it's like, now what? Well, God wants you to learn to love. And I think the only way we can learn to love is like what we said in the beginning is we have to let him love us. And by learning about who God is and his love, we can learn to love others. So if we move on to God's love... Um, I really think that love, God's love is a verb, not a noun. The definition earlier was all about a noun. But God's love is a noun that's continual, right? It's a continual action, a continual choice. And actually in the dictionary, one of the definitions is to thrive. And I thought that's a beautiful definition of love. 
And so I said, so love should be a conditional or a continual conditional act. I'm having a tongue twister. Love should be a continual action moving through us to others. It should cause us to thrive and the ones we love to thrive. Isn't that beautiful? That God's love should make us thrive. It should make us um, be fruitful and have fun in life. But it also needs to flow through us so that we can allow others to thrive. Um, a great definition of love is in 1 Corinthians 13. It's the chapter of love in the Bible. And I want to focus on just verses 4 through 7. And I think this is a very good definition of love as a verb. It says, and this is the New Living Translation. I feel like it's very poetic and it works for what we're talking about. It says, love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude, it does not demand its own way, it's not irritable, and it keeps no record of being wrong. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. Doesn't that sound like a verb? That's what love is, that's what God's love is. So, four points about God's love to kind of counteract what we learned about worldly love. Number one, God is the source. He is love. He's the source. A lot of times when we're in a relationship, our source is who we're loving. But when they leave, that causes the pain and the hurt. But when our focus and our, that God's the source, even when someone leaves, it's not as hard because God's the focus and the source. And we're going to turn to 1 John 4. It's also a great chapter um, about love. And verse 7 and 8, it says, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. And then if we skip down to verse 16, it repeats it. We know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in his love. God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. It's kind of a little tongue twister, but the point is that his love for us is not based on our response, but it's based on his character. Love is who he is. And I think that's so beautiful that it's not about how we respond to him, it's about who he is. And that goes to number two, that God's love is giving and selfless. The worldly love is very selfish, right? But God's love is giving. We heard this morning that God sent his son to die for us because he loved us. If we go down in 1 John 4 to 9 and 10, it says, God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Isn't that beautiful? It doesn't depend on our worthiness or if we deserve it. It doesn't depend on if we're not, you know, too bad. We can't be too broken or too far away from God. That doesn't change it. He just is so giving that he gives his love. This week we were reading in our Rooted um, in Second Chronicles about King Ahaz. And he was a horrible king. 
he did horrible things. I mean, he even sacrificed his own children to try to gain favor for, from other idols. And um, he was just horrible. He turned the people away from God. Yet at the same time, that's when Isaiah was prophesying. And Isaiah was prophesying that a Messiah was going to come, that Jesus was going to come. So God chose the time not when they were, they were being wonderful and they had a wonderful king and they were serving the Lord to prophesy that. No, he chose the worst time as a reminder that he still loved them, even though they had turned their backs on him. His love was going to come as a savior named Jesus. And I think that's just such a beautiful picture of God's love and how giving it is. And if we have that love like we talked about, we need to share it, right? It needs to flow through us. And so we should be giving. We should be selfless. When we love others, it shouldn't be about what I get out of this relationship, what it does for me. It should be about the other person, right? As a mom, I know for my kids, I, w- I want to take care of them first before I even take care of myself. I serve them their food before I serve myself. That's the kind of love that God, that God has. Number three, God's love is forgiving. That can be a hard one, right? Not holding on to the past. The Bible says some strong words about it. It says we can't have love in our hearts if we have hate. In verse 20 and 21 of 1 John 4, um, if you skip down to it, it says, If someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people we can see, how can we love God whom we cannot see? And he has given us this command. Those who love God must also love their fellow believers. Now, people that have hurt us and caused pain that were supposed to love us, it's really hard to forgive them. It really is. And it may cause, like we talked about earlier, that bitterness and that resentment. And we may think we've moved on from it, but one little word can bring up those feelings inside, right? And it's just like, oh, maybe I haven't really fully forgiven them. And I was really struggling at one point of forgiving someone that had hurt me. And it had been years later. And the same thing, it was, I was fine unless one little thing would trigger it. And I had some great advice from someone, and they told me that you need to pray for them. I'm like, well, why would I spend my, my prayer on them? Like, and that's really how I felt. I'm like, I don't want to pray for them. And, but you know what? As I did, and I started saying, okay, God, I give you this person. And I started praying not just for them. I said their name. I said the situation. But I also prayed blessing into their life. I prayed for good things to happen for them. I prayed for um, salvation. I prayed for all different things that I could think of. And you know what? The more I prayed for them, the more I started seeing them with God's eyes and God's love. And, and so when I was reminded of them, I didn't have that feeling inside, but I actually felt just a love for them that I didn't think I could ever feel before. And it changed my, my way of thinking of that person. And so if you are struggling with that, even in a little bit of area that, like I said, just something triggers it sometimes, just give it to the Lord and pray for them and intercede for them. And it'll really change the way you feel about them and the way you think about them. Amen. Um, Number four, God's love is a commitment. Back in 1 Corinthians 13, in verse 7, this is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. It says, love never gives up never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. Isn't that beautiful? Every circumstance. You see, those who claim they love you, 
but are only there during the good times, and then they're absent in the bad times, that's not God's love. That's worldly love. They're not really loving you. If there's a, I'm out of here when it's hard, that's not love. Now, if you're doing that, then you're not showing love either. So um, God promises that he'll never leave us nor forsake us. He promises that in his word over and over again. He'll never leave us. He's always going to be there. There's nothing that we can do to push him away. Nothing. And I started thinking about some times in my life, and I can say many because it has been many times, where I've gone through seasons of depression and times where um, I've been very good at pushing people away, especially people that were close, like Aaron. I didn't want them to be close to me because I couldn't feel. Like, when you're going through that, you don't feel anything, and the last thing you want is someone to love you because if they're loving you, you don't feel like you deserve it, and you don't feel like you feel, you can't love them, so why should they love me? And I really struggled with that, and I was really trying to push him away at many times in our marriage, and he thankfully loves me with godly love, and what he did was instead of saying, Psh, she's pushing me away, I'm out of here, and I'm not going to, or, you know, becoming distance. Instead, he drew closer to me. He walked through it with me. He walked in life with me. He encouraged me. He didn't let me go. Even when I wanted him to, he didn't. And that's what godly love is. And it also reminds me of one of my children. She said I could say her name, Rachel. Um, she would throw the biggest fits when she was a toddler, and to the point where she could not control them. And we were afraid that she would, like, hurt herself by, you know, the way she was a little toddler. Like, you know, they hit the wall or something. And so what Aaron would do is he would wrap his arms around her and hold her in a bear hug. And she hated it. It would drive her crazy, and it would almost make it worse. But it, eventually she would calm down, and she would know that she's protected and that he loved her, and she could feel it. Now, he did it because I could not do it because I was too upset to hold her still. You know, that's not what I wanted to do. But he was able to stay calm during those moments. And I think that's a beautiful picture of what the Lord does to us when we are out of control. I mean, come on, we're, we all get out of control and get crazy and emotional or maybe just females. But we get like that. And what God does is he wraps his arms around us and he won't let us go. And that's a beautiful picture of his love is that he's there right beside you. He's never going to leave you. Um, last week we talked about abiding in the Lord, right? And abiding is to remain in a place or continue in an activity with an expectation of something. And God's love um, grows more perfect when we abide in him. And if we read back in 1 John 4, verses 12 and 13, and this is the NASB version because it uses the word abide, so I'm going to read that one. It says, no one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us his spirit, of his spirit. So if we draw close and allow the Holy Spirit to fill us, and we abide in him, and we stay close to him, what happens is that that flows out of us, and we're able to love more, and we're able to um, share it, because we can't just sit in our secret place and just be filled with his love. I mean, it sounds wonderful, and it is wonderful, but we have to go to the next step and let that love flow through us. Oops. Um, if you're lacking in any area of your life and love, if there's something that's 
you're struggling to love in, um, an area that you're just, maybe even with God, you're struggling to receive love from God, that usually means that you need to draw close to him, that there's something wrong with, with your, even your relationship with the Lord. And um, if you want to draw cl uh, close to him, I said, so if we draw close to allow the Holy Spirit to fill us, we become a conduit for his love. The more fully we are submitted to him, the more easily his love can flow. So I take it like if we're connected with the Lord and we spend time in our secret place, we read our word, we, we pray, we're connected to him, right? And his love can flow through us freely. And it reminds me of my oven. I was having issues. It's only three years old and it was already starting to have problems where I couldn't have the oven on and the stove on at the same time. It would just completely shut off. And it would do it at random times. And it was really frustrating when you're in the middle of dinner and all of a sudden just it's dead. You have to run all the way downstairs to do the breaker. And the breaker wasn't off. So it was just like I didn't understand what was wrong. And I would um, get so frustrated. So we called the repairman. And he comes and says, and you know it takes weeks for a repairman to come here, right? That's Kauai. And he says, there's nothing wrong with your oven. I'm like, Ugh. He's like, you need to call the electrician. So then we have to wait weeks again for the electrician to come. And what he says is your electricity is fine, your oven's fine, it's the connection that's wrong. There's something going on and it's not fully connecting so the power can't flow fully. And so eventually it just shuts off. And I thought that's a beautiful picture of what God is. If, if there's something wrong with our connection to God, then his love can't flow through us and we can't be that conduit um, of his love. Well, I want to invite the worship team back up and I have some challenges for you guys because it's Valentine's Day and I know some of you do not like Valentine's Day because you think it's a holiday that the cards companies make up. And, but you know what? Or if you don't have someone in your life that you're saying, I'm not in love, so why should I celebrate? We can all celebrate Valentine's Day because we can share God's love. And so I want to challenge you guys all to show God's love. And so if you're a married couple, I put in your notes how are you loving your spouse? How can, or what can you do together to learn more about God or what God wants you, God wants you to love each other more about? I'm, I'm having trouble reading, sorry. My point is, get together, talk together. How are you struggling maybe to love each other? And what can you guys do together? Because when you draw together, that's even more powerful. Imagine two drawing together and connected with God. That's even more love flowing, right? So I want to challenge you. And if your spouse maybe isn't here or you're, maybe you're the believer and they're not, I challenge you to share this word with them. Share about God's love and see how you can work together to have that love flowing through them also. And for everyone, are you showing God's love to those around you? What about, you know, coworkers, friends, family, parents, maybe your enemy, maybe the person that drives you crazy? Are you showing God's love? And how can you love better? Maybe today, pick one area, one thing that you can do to show God's love. It could be something simple. It could be something big. Maybe it's somebody you need to pray for and forgive. How can you do that? And of course, since it's, we're talking about God's love, I don't want to forget anybody that maybe doesn't have Jesus in their life, that's never asked Jesus to be their Savior, because I think that you can't experience the full power of God's love if you're not a believer. 
if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. So if you're here today or if you're watching us digitally, I encourage you, cry out to God. Say, Lord, I need you. Forgive me of my sins. Believe in your heart. The Bible just says we have to believe in our heart and confess with our mouth. And then I want you to call somebody. Call someone that you know that's a believer. Um, call someone you know, on staff or talk to us here today if you're here. Or if email the email um, info at quietbiblechurch.com. Anything, just to reach out and say, help, help me walk this life. Help me figure out how to have a relationship with Jesus because I don't want you to go away today and not have a relationship with Jesus and not fully receive his love. Amen.